Hello there. My name is Stefan Frost, the host of Game Devastation, the podcast you are listening to right now. Just as a heads up, sometimes there are opinions on this show. Sometimes there are curse words on this show. Sometimes I just sob for about 20 minutes. I don't know why people keep listening to it. Anyway, all these things are from me. They're not really representative of the company I work for or previous companies that I've worked for. So just a heads up, then that's about it. Okay, legal disclaimer now over. This episode of Game Devastation is brought to you by Pixel Dynamo. You can find the latest news, reviews, and updates to all the games that you care about. Check out PixelDynamo.com or follow them on Twitter at PixelDynamo for your up-to-the-second news on the games you care about. Also, in a less commercial way, this is a pretty sweet site. So if you haven't checked it out, PixelDynamo.com, go read it. I think I said PixelDynamo.com enough. PixelDynamo.com. Okay, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to Game Devastation. My name is Stefan Frost. I'm your host. And today I'm joined with Mike Shambari. Uh, Mike, I know you because you recruited me at Amazon. Um, so I wanted to get into what a recruiter does and your background and then some other things for like what recruiters look for in resumes and that sort of stuff. So uh, what does a recruiter do? What do recruiters do? So we are essentially gatekeepers, um, some may say. Um, my job is essentially to work with the hiring managers uh, to figure out uh, what their what their resource needs are. Uh, we define a roadmap on how to get there. So uh, we figure out sourcing strategies, uh, meaning uh, if we're looking for software engineers, where do software hang- en- engineers hang out? Um, you know, where do they, where do they gain their inspiration? What do they do? Um, so a lot of research, creating lists, uh, working again, working with the hiring managers. Um, and then once we identify prospects, uh, it'll be uh, a recruiter's job to essentially reach out to them. Um, so, uh, most of you are probably familiar with getting those LinkedIn messages, uh, that's the job of a sourcing recruiter. Uh, essentially, they're, they're, they're tasked with uh, a prospect engagement. Um, so they go out and, and they look for folks who are um, gainfully employed, more or less passive candidates. And we look to see if they'd be interested in, in chatting with us for a new opportunity. So why, um, why would, um, forgive me for interrupting, but sure. why, why would you be more interested in a passive employee versus a uh, not passive employee? <laughs> That's a super good question. Uh, well, a passive, a gainfully employed candidate or prospect is is attractive for many reasons, right? It showcases that they're that they are um, probably doing a pretty good job of what they're doing. Um, and then we can kind of take a look at some of the projects and tools and technologies uh, based off of the projects they're currently working on. Um, sometimes, you know, if there's a competitor out there that's perhaps building uh, something similar to what we're doing. Uh, we'll start looking at you know the the tech they're using, and then um, start com- exploratory conversations with their talent uh, to try to get a little more information, and then kind of plant seeds around, right? Like, uh, so a passive candidate may not be ready to move, today, but once the product ships, uh, they may be looking to move on. So it's really you know getting um, their interest level really early on, and and getting them familiar with some of the things that. You know the current um, what my employers are uh, looking to bring on. 
Okay. So um, speaking of your employer, uh, I wanted to get into your background. And what, so let, let's go back from what you do now and then start at the beginning of how did you get into doing what you're doing? Cool. Yeah. So I'm the director of recruiting for Curse. Um, and how I got started. So I've been working in games now for about six years. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast and I've always loved video games. Uh, I have an older brother who's also in the industry and, and growing up we, we played all kinds of, he's an older brother so I, I uh, wanted to do all the things he was doing, right? So um, what he was doing was was building and playing games at a very early age. So that's kind of how I got interested in, in games and, and part of the the game making process very early in my life. Um, I went to school. Uh, I, I went to school with uh, to study psychology and communication. Not really a whole lot you can do with that specifically. Uh, but at the time, my, my older brother was working uh, at Blizzard, and I graduated with not a whole lot in mind. So he he offered, hey, why don't you come out to California and and see if you know uh, we can get you a job uh, testing games. So I was all about that, right? I was yeah, Blizzard, you know, super Blizzard fanboy and. Just wanted to do anything. I, I told them I'd sweep the floors just to kind of work at Blizzard. Well, fortunately, the whole testing thing worked out. Um, and every recruiter has a kind of an interesting story on how they got into the business because it's one of those things you don't really go to school to be a recruiter. You don't really train to be a recruiter. Uh, but my story, um, essentially, I, I was uh, helping to um, like build testing teams and, and tasking other testers out. And there was a senior manager that just kind of liked my communication style and how I was working with people. Uh, and the senior manager had um, essentially they they needed a, a, they had a problem that that they were facing with uh, candidate experience. So uh, very early on, my job was essentially just to um, schedule interviews and making sure that the hiring managers had feedback for candidates. Uh, so I was a talent acquisition coordinator for a very small part at Blizzard, which was Platform Services, uh, which is the whole testing group. Okay. Uh, so then I, I kind of like I want to do more and more and more. So then they gave me a little more responsibilities with sourcing, and then eventually helping to close candidates. So from there, though, you went on to Amazon. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. So I left. I left Blizzard, and I, I worked at a, a a staffing agency, which is a whole different world. Uh, the staffing agency that it's a contingency uh, based uh, comp model. So I was only getting paid for people that were getting placed. Um, it, I was only there for about six months and then I got contacted by Amazon. Uh, and at the time Amazon was looking to build a new test or I'm sorry, a new, a new game studio. This was early, um, let's say 2013 or so. Uh, so they brought me on to be a sourcer, uh, to help identify talent and build candidate pipelines, uh, for game developers for Amazon. Yep. Okay. So, and when you were at Amazon, you were just a recruiter, but you, you kind of worked your way up pretty, pretty fast, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, uh, I, I, was, I was pretty eager, and I delivered results uh, at a quick pace. And, um, you know, no one really – the recruiting team uh, didn't have a whole lot of experience uh, working with games, and, and I had the game background with Blizzard. Uh, so, they, you know, I was, I was leaned upon, uh, you know, to, to help, um, you know, train and, um, and, and help build a, a better recruiting team. Uh, that was more knowledgeable about about uh, game development. Uh, so through that, I, I had opportunities to kind of work up, and and uh, I ended my my time at Amazon as the lead recruiter for Amazon Game Studios. That's awesome. And then from there, you got recruited, I guess, right, to uh, be the director of recruiting at at Curse. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, you know, I was actually super happy with Amazon. I'm, I 
you know, I'm, I'm super excited, uh, you know, for, for what Amazon's doing. I, I really think they're on the brink of something special. Uh, and I wasn't looking to leave. Um, but Curse came along and uh, they were looking to move their dev team from Huntsville, Alabama to Irvine. Um, and uh, they contacted me through LinkedIn just on an exploratory basis to see what my interest level was. And, and really, I just want to see what they were doing. <laughs> you know, these new neighbors coming in and, you know, they, they, they told me they were going to be moving in that big shiny building that they're, that they're putting up in, in Irvine. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me check it out. So uh, I spoke to the, the HR manager and, and then eventually the, the VP of operations, the CTO and the CEO. Uh, and I was super inspired by their story. Um, I think uh, what they're up to and what we're up to today is, is um, equally as special. Um, and and I, I really feel like this is, uh, could change the way that gamers communicate uh, with this new platform uh, that Curse is building. So when you were getting hired by them, were you judging their recruiting process the entire time? <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, so, all right, you, you've become the director of, of that. Um, so working your way through the recruiting process and things, you've, you've seen a lot of resumes. Um, so what do you look for specifically at a resume? And it, it doesn't matter if they're designers or programmers or anything. When you're looking at a resume, what is the format that is optimal for you to look at? Yeah, you know, it, it takes me about maybe 30 seconds to scan a resume and know that um, if I'm going to be interested in passing that uh, off to a, a hiring manager. Uh, so really, we're looking for someone that's really clean and well formatted, proper use of, of the space on the paper. Um, you know, when you have a whole lot of white space, it, it kind of is a bit of an eyesore. So, so try to, you know, really use all the margins of that of that paper um, or that digital paper. Um, you know, we're, we're, I'm looking for essentially something that stands out right away, uh, whether it's a, um, preferably like a professional summary that, that gives us a glimpse of what you've done through your career. Uh, and then that's followed by, uh, you know, your current employer. Uh, and then when you start listing off, uh, you know, in bullets, you know, f formatting is really crucial. Uh, start with your, your crowning achievement, right? So essentially you're trying to buy time on that paper. Uh, so start with your achievements, and then you can kind of follow with uh, maybe some of the core responsibilities. Um, you know, things like numbers tend to pop off the page. So if you're able to uh, quantify uh, the, your achievements, that's that's it, it usually helps me. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, if it's if I'm looking at a recruiter resume, for instance, I'm looking for oh, how many hires did they make that year, and, uh, year to date, and, and and you know what's their close rate, you know percentages. Um, so those are things that would pop off a page for me. So data is, is useful on yes. things like that. Yes, for sure. Okay. So, uh, so that's good on the spacing and the creation of that resume. Um, now if you're looking for, let's say you're, you're new to the industry, this is something that people often ask. And to be honest, I don't even know what I did when, when I first got in. Um, what do you put down on a resume when you haven't really done anything professionally. So when I first started in the industry, um, I had interned places, but yes. I didn't have like actual, like I was paid to do a thing. Right. Um, so what do you put on a resume when you've just been like a restaurant server your whole life? Yeah. Completed projects, right? So, uh, you know, that, it's funny that you mentioned a restaurant server <laughs> your whole life, uh, or, you know, that, that, that's how you started. I, I did as well. So I, I actually, I, I put that on my resume until I actually have professional experience. Um, so yeah, any kind of work history you have, uh, if you don't have, you know, that, that industry experience just yet, you know, we'd like to see that. Um, 
However, what's really important for, for students or new grads or, or folks that are kind of break, break, breaking through in the industry is, you know, what are you doing to contribute to the community? Uh, what kind of games are you are you interested in, and what kind of uh, you know even like beta testing experience, right? Like what? Um, um, but most importantly, right? If you're a software engineer um, and you're looking to to break in, like what are you building? Like what are you doing in your spare time? Uh, I do a lot of college tours, uh, you know, as a recruiter, and and that's usually the first thing I ask students is, cool, you're studying computer science, that's great, um, but what are you working on? Like like are you coding in your spare time? If so. Uh, what are you like? What tech are you are you experimenting in? Because usually there's new stuff coming out, right? If you're a web dev, like, you know, are you are you playing with like React and Polymer, like like the new stuff that's coming out, or are you just um, you know still banging on um, you know like like just JavaScript, for instance? Right. So uh, one thing that I also forgot to ask: yeah. what about the cover letter? What is the optimal cover letter? Yeah, it should be super tailored to to each job. Uh, that you're applying to the generic cover letters. Um, I, I won't even get past like line three if it senses like it's just the same cover letter you're applying to every job. What is the the optimal length? Is it a paragraph? Is it? Uh, it it's it's probably you know um, it, I'd say it's it's one page. Don't 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 go past one page. I'd say um, like three paragraphs is probably pretty good. Um, keep it like um, like three quarters of the page. Like you know full. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, I, I, cause I think, um, you know, I've, I've been hiring for positions for multiple jobs that I've been at. And one of the things that kind of gets me when I'm looking through stuff is if I see two pages uh, for a cover letter, I instantly go like, I don't care what you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's lame of me, but at the same time, um, I'm busy and I've got things to do. And so the, lo- the last thing I want to do is read, you know, three pages or two pages about why you think you're stellar for the job. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Frost, for sure. And uh, uh, definitely no more than one page and try to get to the point, right? And, and, and include things that, that make you special, right? Like what makes you better than the person next to you? Um, those are things that, that should really pop off the page. Gotcha. Um, all right, so if I am... I've put in my time a little bit. I have a few years experience as a designer. Yeah. Uh, what is it that recruiters tend to look for, for a design position? Cool. Good question. So it depends on the, 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 the actual design position you're applying to, right? But we're looking for a, um, a portfolio for instance, right? So we want to see, uh, it, it really depends on the employer, but I'd say that the the themes that I've caught from most hiring managers that they want to see the whole process, right? So, um, you know, how you conceptualize, say you're a level designer, right? So how are you conceptualizing how the level is going to look? Uh, what was the implement, implementation process like? And then what's the, the final thing that the player sees? Uh, so kind of give us a whole 360 view of, of um, what you created. Um, most companies do a portfolio review session. It's usually first thing that um, that that they'll do, and it's the whole team. So it's kind of a group interview, um, and it's it's really like up to you to kind of drive that discussion. Um, if you do get to that point where you're where you're offered a, a visit to to meet with the group, try to you know include things that that you don't have that are public, uh, or or try to like create or or bring more. Uh, to the table than what you've posted online, for instance, and you can really work with your recruiter on that. Hopefully, you um, 
you know, you're, you have a good dialogue with uh, the person who's helping set up the interview to get a real clear understanding of what the expectations are. So for something like a portfolio, and this could be, you know, something for artists or level designers like you're talking about, uh-huh. is it better to have a online, like a website or, a, you know, a page that somebody can go to and kind of click through some links and see like, oh, cool, this is the, the process that they're going through to create uh, a piece of art? Or is it better to just have some attachments, throw that in, what works best? Hmm. You know, it really depends. Uh, I, I try to work with the recruiter. Uh, I know that's kind of a cop-out, but, um, you know, I think, for for instance, for, for, the, for me, I'd, I'd want to see something digital um, that's easy to pass around from uh, to designer to designer that's, that's already working on the team. Um, you know, if you're an artist, I know there are folks that, uh, like art manager, a combination of traditional art and then you know 3D digital art to see like can this person actually draw um, and then how do they get that uh, in a digital format? Gotcha. Um, so let's talk a little bit about interviews. Yeah. Um, you you pass the sniff test on the the resume. Uh, you bring them in. How do you dress for oh. game industry interviews? For a, yeah, for a game studio, uh, it's it's so funny you ask that question, Frost, because uh, I spent. <laughs> Um, the first year of my career, really kind of glossing over, oh yeah, like, you know, you know, please don't wear a suit. And, and, and folks would think that's kind of a, um, like a test and and they would show up wearing a sports jacket and a tie and I would, I would ask in their car. Uh, but I think, you know, if, 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 um, you know, what's appropriate is probably a polo jeans and, and vans, right? Uh, close, close. Uh, shoes like sneakers, uh, you know, jeans and a polo is just fine. Okay. So you're not hanging out at the beach, but (laughs) yeah, but you're just, you're keeping it real normal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a time where I got, uh, I was talking with somebody and, um, I came in and I had a a shirt with the tie and the whole thing. And they were like, uh, you going to a funeral later? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. They're like, well, don't ever dress like that again if you get the job. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. Um, so, so the dress is is okay. So then, um, something I, I wanted to ask as well, and this is I just don't even know. <laughs> this is always difficult, but how do you answer a question that you don't know the answer to? Hmm. So I would be honest and say, oh, you know, I never really thought of that before. That's a really good question. Um, and, and try to ask clarifying questions, right? Maybe they'll drop some hints along the way um, that'll that'll initiate some kind of dialogue. Uh, try to be as authentic as possible, right? Because, you know, these folks are trained to interview and they can sniff uh, BS pretty quickly. Right. Um, so <laughs> something that uh, I also wanted to ask, what is – what is the worst thing that you can do for a resume? The worst thing you can do on a resume. Because hmm. <laughs> I, I know you've seen some crappy resumes. Like yeah. I, yeah, I, it, you had to have. Yep. Hmm. The worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do on a resume is not put your contact information on there. Because <laughs> if it's really good, how do I find you? <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's definitely a good start. Uh, yeah. there, was, there was one guy that sent me... Um, I was talking a little bit about it before, but he sent me a cover letter that was six pages oh. and it was full of grammatical errors. Oh, yeah. So that to me, like, actually, that's the one that I read the entire thing because I'm like, wow, six pages. And then I started reading it and I was like, holy shit, like there is so much wrong here. And I, it became more fascinating to me to read through the grammatical errors. 
<laughs> which is like so even though you know you're passing yeah yeah oh clearly at this point i'm like this is a no but i i just want to continue to read so, so just, I have a couple pro tips on on resume and and uh, cover letter. So, um, ninety nine percent of the time, we're going to be reading your resume in a digital format. Um, so, all those you know Microsoft uh, suggestions, the little green and red squiggly lines, it's super important to to get rid of them. Uh, there's two ways you can do that, right? Do a quick um, spell check and then ignore, or save your document in PDF. Uh, PDF is actually preferred. Um, that way, it actually protects the candidate. It locks the doc. I can't make any changes to it. Not that I would, but if I like, if, if I'm actually trying to print a resume and hand it to a manager right before they go to a resume or uh, to an interview, and I control P, but I fat finger the P, and I have an O somewhere in the middle of your resume, that's going to look like your error, not mine. Um, so that's probably something that you'd want to do. Uh, and another thing is when you're saving your resume, um, your format should be in a pretty consistent naming convention. Uh, first and in, first initial of first name and then and then your last name. So for instance, Michael Shimberry, M Shimberry underscore uh, curse or underscore whatever um, employer you're actually applying to. Um, when I'm saving resumes on my desktop or into a, into a folder, uh, there it's it's you know I, I if it's just labeled resume, there's you know a hundred you know um, docs that are that are actually named resume and I sometimes like it, it gets lost and it's a little frustrating. Try to make the job easier on on the future employer. Gotcha. So uh, this is another thing that's always tricky because you have candidates, I'm sure they're antsy about finding out whether or not they got the job or not. When is appropriate? When is it appropriate to follow up and say like, Hey, just wanted to check in. What's the deal? Am I getting hired or not? When, when is that? Okay. Yeah. I would try to like set clear expectations with whoever you're working with to set up the interview. Um, try to get an idea of when a decision is going to be made. Uh, and then 24 hours, if you haven't heard back from when that commitment was, then it's totally appropriate to check in. Um, some employers work a lot faster than others. Um, you know, the, the large companies, the, the, you know, the uh, super popular AAA game studios out there, they get inundated, right, with, with uh, applicants. Um, so chances are they're, they're kind of sifting through. And, and, and sometimes, it, it, you know, it, things get dropped, right? We're, we're human. Um, so you know, have a good rapport with your recruiter or the recruiting coordinator who's who's actually scheduling, um, and and it's totally fine. I, I never mind when candidates. It actually sh it, it indicates to me like, hey, they're really passionate. They want the job. Uh, now, if you're emailing me every single day, <laughs> uh, multiple times a day, then that gets a little um, a little frustrating. But you know, usually uh, the response that I'll give to candidates is. Uh, you know, we don't have feedback just yet. Um, you know, I hope to have feedback by X date. If you haven't heard from me by then, then please do follow up. Uh, I try to put some of the ownership back on the candidate, right? So that, hey, you know, um, if I haven't had a chance to get back to you or, if, you know, please, please ping me so I can follow up with the team. Um, I, I, it's a little bit of a, you know, I kind of skirted away from answering directly, uh, Frost, but I think, I think it's okay, right? Check in periodically, have a good rapport with your recruiter, and it's totally fine. Gotcha. Um, so another question, uh, I was kind of curious about if, if you were looking to get into the, the recruiting biz, if yeah. this sounds intriguing to you, how does one go about doing that? <laughs> Great question. So you usually start as a coordinator. Um, that's kind of like the bottom rung of recruiting, uh, and, and a recruiting coordinator, uh, they're tasked with scheduling. Um, you know, they, they actually play, it, it's kind of funny. We, I compare it to playing Tetris with calendars. Um, you know, usually they're managing, 
you know, anywhere between four and seven managers schedule at a time. And they're trying to, um, you know, make sure, make sure that the candidates availability complements the hiring team's availability. And it's, it's sometimes the back and forth specifically when hiring managers don't update their calendars. <laughs> so it gets a little tough. Uh, but yeah, I would, if you're really interested in recruiting, I'd, I'd, I'd start at looking at some of the admin type roles, like, um, like a recruiting coordinator. Um, if you have an aptitude for research, then sourcing could be a really good role for you. Um, if you're someone that doesn't mind, uh, you know, compiling large lists and kind of crunching data, um, then sourcing could, could potentially be up your alley. Uh, again, a sourcer really, their job is to um, build a candidate pipeline for a specific requisition, um, meaning um, I, I would do all kinds of different searches for very specific uh, skills and, and technologies, and hopefully there are people that are familiar with that, uh, with those tech. And then also it's, it's important to be a really good writer and communicator uh, to be a, a an effective sourcer because uh, you're usually the first outreach from that company so you have to really represent the company well and be able to, to communicate a message uh, that's being conveyed from uh, you know by the hiring manager um, and then there's like the the closing recruiter or the lead recruiter uh, their job is you know once a candidate is engaged um, and once they make it to the on-site phase phase then um, then it's usually handed off to more of a senior recruiter who gets a bunch of the HR stuff out of the way, like, you know, expected comp uh, or current comp and expected compensation. Uh, and their job is really to kind of prepare that person for an onsite. Uh, and then they're the one, you know, if, if all goes well, then that closing recruiter is they're tasked with getting that candidate to say yes to the offer. Um, that's, that's the way mo most of the larger companies like Google, Amazon, that's, that's how they have, um, you know, the, how they break up the recruiting responsibilities. And then there's usually a recruiting manager that kind of oversees the whole process and, uh, they help with prioritizing and, and all that fun stuff. So I want to talk about compensation, but before, yeah. before we do that, I did want to ask if, if you were looking to maybe say, I want to, I want to recruit for EA or I want to recruit for whatever, yeah. would, would you recommend perhaps starting at another place and kind of getting your feet wet and then figuring out what the recruiting thing is and then going into that or just, you know what, I'm just going for it. Go apply for, you know, some riot yeah. games or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so we all have our target companies that we're that we're dying to work for, right? And and sometimes it takes three, four, five times to to get into that organization. Um, you know, in the meantime, really try to sharpen your skills and and maybe take a, a similar role, maybe at a maybe at a less desire or desirable company. Maybe you can learn you know a few things while you're you know really knock you know continue to knock on that door of EA, for instance. Right. Um, go ahead. Well, so. Um well, I was going to go uh, off of that subject. Did you want to finish anything out or are you good? I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so compensation. This yeah. is something this, this is always what people are looking for, right? Yeah. When they're, when they're getting hired. Um, th there is, I think, uh, a, a fear sometimes, uh, when people are putting down how much they want to make. Yep. Um, so I, I'm going to ask a few questions, sure. um, because I find this fascinating. When you're putting down, are you putting down what you think you should be getting? And if you think what you should be getting is crazy higher than what you were making before, mm -hmm. is that the optimal way to approach things? Or should you go, you know what, I'm, I need X amount more than what I was making before. What do you think is the appropriate way to kind of dictate what your salary should be? 
think it's super situational for us. Uh, and I'll try to answer this as eloquently as possible. So I'll set up a few situations. Um, if you're a student, for instance, and you're just trying to break through the industry, um, try to figure out uh, what it will take to meet your end, like to, 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 to meet ends. Um, meaning if you're you know, living in Southern California and your rent is X and you, know, you have this payment, you know, and, and maybe it all totals like 2,000 bucks a month, right? Um, and this is an entry level role and you're, and you're trying to break in the industry, like the experience that you're going to get is way more valuable than the compensation today. Right. Um, really trying to like hone your skills and get that seat time is probably like what you're, what you should be after in my opinion, compared to like, you know, making an extra 10 grand and, and overshooting and then maybe shooting yourself in the foot because you, you shot too high. Um, you know, when you, you know, in, in the initial ask. So, so try to be, um, uh, especially if you have no experience of trying to break in. Um, if you are a passive candidate, right, and, and, and someone's trying to pull you out of a, a job, I think it's totally fair to ask, um, you know, between 15 and 20% more than what you're making today. Um, if you think you've been completely undervalued for the past five years, and um, I, I think that's a conversation you have with the recruiter. Um, but there's also Glassdoor, and I think that's a pretty valuable resource for folks out there. You can actually go on and um, you know take a look at you know the <laughs> um, you know the the salary information for the roles. I think sometimes they're a little um, you know I think they're actually under in some cases uh, based off of the the, um, the the comp studies that I've been a part of, and then I'll, I'll actually look at Gla Glassdoor. So um, maybe. You know, if you're if you're if you're uncomfortable, this is always traditionally an uncomfortable conversation to have, and it's it's sometimes a little uneasy to explain, right? Um, first, you know, if again, it's all situational. Um, if you're a student, don't try to overvalue your your worth. Uh, try to figure out uh, what it will take to meet to meet ends. Uh, if you're a passive candidate, I think it's totally appropriate again to ask for fifteen to twenty percent. Uh, if you're looking for a job, um, try to figure out, um, you know. Uh, perhaps what um, you know what they're paying, you know, and, and and there's all kinds of cool Google searches and Glassdoor research that you can do on your own. And you can even ask and bring it to the attention of the of the recruiter. Now, this might be situational too, but uh, is there a point where you receive uh, somebody's compensation desires and you're like, oh man, that's ridiculous, and then it it then jeopardizes the the position? Like, it, it, does that happen where somebody's like? Dude, there's this guy wants eighty grand more than than what we expected. No way we're gonna do this. Yeah, and like let's not consider him because he's crazy. Or uh, or is it just kind of like, well, he's shooting for the moon. Sure, we're sure. gonna counter, and this is what it is. Yeah. So if that's uh, usually, I'll, I'll try to talk a candidate off the ledge a bit um, if they are completely completely overshooting. But if they're really firm and the team is super geeked down on me and this this individual, then I'll go back to, to the managers and say, "Hey, this is what their current and expected comp is. Um, are you still interested?" And you know, sometimes they are. Right. Like you have to remember, there's no decision to be made yet until there's an offer in hand. Right. So. Um, I think that it's okay to overshoot um, <laughs> or overvalue, uh, but don't like go like don't ask for a million bucks, <laughs> right? Like, like try to be try to be cool about it, um, and 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 talk it through with your recruiter. Like, like try to figure out if you know um, if at all if you have someone internal that would be kind of um, you know uh, you, you could always check with them if you have a friend that's working there. Like, hey, like. I know this may be a weird conversation, but do you know what uh, someone at this level uh, could be making? 
Um, and then maybe, you know, um, base your information or your ask off of that information that you're getting. By the way, glassdoor.com is, yeah. is a website that uh, allows you to look at a company's reviews from internal employees, and they can also list what the average pay is for certain positions. Um, to your point, sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not. But uh, it, I also feel like the reviews on companies, it's my, my opinion is the same of Yelp. Like when I feel like people will go on Yelp if they love their experience or they hate it. I feel like there's not a middle ground, you know, like with Glassdoor, I feel like people go on there and they're like, oh man, I hate their guts so much. And then they write why they hate their guts and, you know, all these bad experiences. But then there's all these people that are just like, oh yeah, it's a job. And they just, they don't write that side. I don't know that I always feel like that's a little negative skewed, but it's also not a bad way to kind of judge what the compensation is either. I don't know. It's a good foundation, right? Yeah, and and you never know. You might get a tip on uh, some of the interviews uh, questions that are asked. And, and again, I, I, I tend to agree with you there, Frost. Like, uh, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I would. I would believe everything that's said on glass on Glassdoor, but it, 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 it sometimes it helps, right? I know when I look for a new restaurant, I'm certainly looking on Yelp. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> the, what are the common themes here at this restaurant, right? Right. Sure. So uh, another website that we can talk about uh, is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is basically a digital resume that people can look at and find out. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm sure you are as well. Um, so when, when you have a LinkedIn page, how do you organize that properly? So when somebody looks at it, they're like, oh, hot damn, look at this guy. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah I, would, I would probably categorize it very similar uh, in a similar fashion as your resume, right? So um, have a summary, professional summary, and then list off your, your most current job and and follow um, you know down all the way down to like your education. Um, I would I would be a little more lean on my profile, um, not super lean, but you know at least give the like your your title, uh, the job, and then the the time frame that you've spent at that job. Uh, there's also a section for like tools and tech. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Like I see resumes all the time that list, you know, a hundred different technologies, like every single programming language. And then I get these folks on the phone and like, oh yeah, I touched that tech like ten years ago when I was in school. It's like, well, what's your familiarity with it today? Uh, so try to like list the tools and tech that you are probably most current in. I think that's it's um, probably what I would do. Right, it makes sense. Also, pro tip. Make sure that your picture on LinkedIn isn't of you in your underwear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It should just be you. <laughs> right, as well. Um, okay, so I think I've exhausted all of my, my questions about how one gets hired. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to plug or talk about um, before we, we call it a day, good sir? What do I want to plug? Well, I sincerely appreciate you uh, having me on your podcast, Frost. Uh, I think this was... It's fun. Uh, I can be reached at um, mshemberry at curse.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, drop me a note if you have any questions. Uh, we are hiring pretty aggressively with Curse. Uh, we've got quite a few roles in, in different disciplines that we're hiring for. Uh, now, Curse is not, we're not making games, but we are you know, making cool tools for gamers. And, and we are looking to hire folks who are passionate about making games. Um, and we are super excited to be here in Southern California as we grow our team. Um, we're right near the spectrum. If you see someone wearing a cursed t-shirt, 
uh, near the Irvine Spectrum, stop, say hi. Chances are it could be me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, please, uh, please drop me a note if you have any questions. Awesome. Sir, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for stopping by. And if you guys would like to check out more Game Devastation, you can go to... Oh, God. Patreon.com backslash Stefan Frost. You can go to Podbean and look up Game Devastation. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. Uh, and please feel free to drop a review, a five-star one. Anything less would be unacceptable. Uh, otherwise, I think we're good to go. Mike, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening to the show. Adios. Adios.